1: From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated
2: G for general audiences.
0: I'm Jack Ward, and at the close of that lovely theme from Sharon B., we return to Mutual Presents and the second session from Saturday's MadCon 2021 from last July. This week, we gather our team with host Jeffrey Adams and our panel of Lothar Tuppen, Jeff Billard, Pete Lutz, and Bill Arrowwood.
3: Using this for my... I'll use this for my uh, live stage productions when we when we do it's a wonderful life in december oh i did that on stage that's fun yeah it's a lot of fun I mean, i'm using the Lux radio theater script and i augmented it uh with the stuff from the screenplay so it's it's, oh, it's nice it's longer so the audience will get more out of it
4: i was i was saying yesterday i did a version from a guy named willie Reppoli down in Asheville, where it's done as a forehander um, and it's a lot of fun because instead of having 17 people on stage, you have four people doing all 23 characters.
3: Now that is that is great. Uh,
4: the the gag of the show is that um, uh, there's a snowstorm at the at the station, and two actors, the sound man and the secretary, the only ones there, and they have to do the whole show. Oh. So it it, complete, <laughs> it it completely changes the dynamic of the show because the audience gets way more invested in people that aren't supposed to be doing voices doing voices and so it, it just it, cha- it changes the whole show
3: oh okay nice. we don't we don't have a premise like that we just uh yeah we have 11 11 people doing uh yeah. more than 50 uh citizens of yeah. uh, bedford falls so it's uh and and i took out the Lux radio commercials and i wrote my own for a, a, a brand of cigarettes called fester shields wrote nice. a jingle and just got so i've got a bunch
2: of funny commercials for it. Okay. Well, it looks like we got, we got a, at least three people in attendance. So uh, we should start before we're outnumbered. And uh, this is, what, what's this one called? This is called Gathering Your Team. Uh, you got the script. What's next? How do you gather your production team together? What skills are needed? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can see all this on the website. Uh, figure we should go around. I'm Jeff Adams. I'm artistic director of the Icebox Radio Theater in International Falls, Minnesota um bill arrowwood tell us who you are i'll I'll, we'll play tag because uh, i know going around the circle doesn't really work on zoom
4: yeah right i uh my name is bill i um run liberty city radio theater uh in philadelphia we're a live stage show um so uh while we're not primary our primary focus isn't recording for podcast or uh audio it's it's to perform a live stage adaptation of radio shows
2: Pete Lux, sign in, please.
3: Hi, I'm Pete, and I'm the creator uh, and director of the Narada Radio Company. We've been in existence since 2001, but have only been podcasting since 2013. (laughs) Uh, We do live shows occasionally, as well as uh, a regular um, audio drama series. Right now, I'm doing uh, two audio drama anthology series and a podcast about old-time radio called Old Time Radio Essentials. And I'm glad to be here. (laughs)
2: Hey, Jeff, introduce yourself to the good folks.
3: Thanks,
1: Jeff. Uh, My name is Jeff, and I am a retired theater professor uh, for over 40 years' experience on stage as an actor, director, and uh, producer, and uh, taught mostly uh, acting, directing, and uh, script analysis classes over the years, among others. So I've been doing started doing audio drama back in the early 80s uh, so uh, i'm happy to be here today learn some stuff
5: and finally lothar um, i'm lothar tuppen i've been uh, writing producing and acting in audio drama since 2010 worked with a lot of different companies uh created some of my own shows through broken sea and now through the mutual audio network which i am a proud founding member of yes me too
2: and jack as well okay well it sounds like just from the intros that we have a nice collection of folks that do live uh folks that do podcasts or both um i suppose we begin there if i understand if i understand um jack's notes correctly we're doing this panel like for somebody who's maybe interested in getting involved in audio drama doesn't know where to start uh or has a script which of course is the beginning place um anyone want to chime in first of all as to maybe that's the first question i have my script i have myself what's next what's the next logical step
3: i'd like to I, field that one if i can sure uh i live in a city uh that's got a huge community theater presence we have uh two local theaters we've got uh two universities that put on uh, uh dramas throughout the year uh high schools are always putting on plays. so we've got uh, a great deal of people and when i first started putting my uh series together, I went straight to the community theater folks who I know and love because I've been involved in that myself. So I said, I'm doing this audio drama. Who wants to join me? And uh, for the very first one, I had 11 people show up for a casting call. So I cast all of them. I wrote extra roles so they could all be in my very first uh, uh, podcast. Uh, and from there, I have built it with um, local, local talent and um, Thanks to Facebook and the, the social media, I've uh, built it all the way. So to more than 80 people in my in my acting troupe. So I don't even hold auditions anymore. I just say, mm-hmm. take this role. <laughs> Here, have yeah. it, do, do this. Lothar and Jeff have both been involved. Jack's been involved as well uh, in my past production. So um, I've just, that's how you do it. You just go out and ask people. To uh, to get involved, and you'd be surprised how many people will say yes. It's just a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's I
4: would a- ag- I would agree. When when I started the company, I did a I didn't know enough people in Philadelphia, so I did an open casting, and I didn't take everybody. But you know right away who you take. Um, like they're, <laughs> they're people that sort of get it and get what you're doing, and then that became my stock company. And you know, out of you know a dozen or so people that you know you have you can both write backwards and forwards with them in mind Mm -hmm. know the shows you can do because of who you have like like Pete says, when you have a big when you know who your folks are it makes what you want to do
3: all that much easier exactly
2: so i I, got uh, two votes got two votes for actors as the next logical step
5: go ahead actors are the you got to have people in your production Ah. um my, my first uh introduction was uh, through a company that gave me some training. And in return for that training, I would work for them for a period of time. And I worked for them for about a year to a year and a half. And it was a larger production company to where there was script editors and script writers and this and that, and this huge audition process. So one of my first tasks was to um, sit in on the audition process where there's literally hundreds of people auditioning. And I quickly learned I hate having people audition because I really hate going through all that and I'm the type <laughs> person where I'm going to give feedback to someone if they ask for it and not just sort of like give them the blank rejection letter but it was a, it was a great experience because I made a lot of contacts through that so when I started doing my own thing I already had email contacts and had some working relationships so then I could start doing what we used to call back in the day ninja casting of hey Pete I want you to be this role will you do it you know yes and yes that sort of thing and that makes it a lot easier so I really hate the cold auditioning process but I also know a lot of people that as they find out about things like oh you do this audio drama thing and then you find out they're really interested and they're nervous and maybe they want to be in it and so you bring in your friends as well your friends and your family especially if they actually have some acting chops which I'm lucky that I have, two, <laughs> I have two family members that are actually professionally acting trained. So they are I've got good actors in my family and I can just like, you know, co opt them whenever they're in town. It was I when agree. My I got I my living at home.
3: I got a couple of my brothers. My dad, before he passed away, was <clears throat> I went home on leave. I took a microphone with me. He recorded the opening announcement for for one of my series. And so nice. uh, a couple of friends from high school, believe it or not, are are heavily involved. Um, thanks, thanks to social media as well. I think as, as people that do this, you start to hear
4: your friends and family's voices differently and think where you can use them when you need them. So like they're there. But I, I know for me in casting one, I, I don't mind doing casting. Cause I like meeting new people and sort of engaging the, the pulse of what's going on. I hate rejecting people. Um, I really like when we did it, when we did, um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide last year, I had a, a lot of people audition because it's a big show and everybody wants to do it. Um, I just, you know, some people are terrible, um, and so not <laughs> using everybody is almost as hard sometimes. But like, but uh, but I just I, I hate the idea of being the guy that rejects actors. I know I know what the, the other side of that feels like. It's like oh, I just, ah, so Absolutely. I end up I end up putting them in the back pocket and finding something for them down the road. Usually, uh, like 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 Pete and Lothar said, you like you'll call somebody and use them eventually. It's, that's the beauty of it.
1: Yeah, wanted to hear from we'll, Jeff
2: about. Yeah, uh, wanted would, to hear from Jeff about first step. What's your first step?
1: Well, I think the first step is, and we had a panel yesterday, and Ellie Maitland was on it, um, we were talking about theater school and you know uh, studying theater in college, and what most actors, a lot of actors do when they get out, is you know it's it's hard to find work, so they end up starting their own theater company, uh, <laughs> so they can you know and they perform and. Abandoned buildings or where, you know, where it's on the street or wherever, you know, wherever you could get a space and get a few people to come in. Um, So highway underpass,
3: you know, wherever,
1: (laughs) wherever. And I would, so I would encourage if if you have a script that you wrote a script, you know, I would encourage people to start their own production company and go ahead and just do it. And, um, you, you know, you don't have to know how to do it. You can, you'll figure it out. And, you know, it, it's, it's a lot easier today with the internet and, and computers than it was, you know, before. And, and so, and you can get it out there and there's places that, you know, like mutual audio that you can say, Hey, I've made this, you know, we get submissions quite often at mutual. Yeah, I made this and shoot it to me and we listen and, and it gets on if it, it, you know, if Jack lets it get on, but, um, you know, so I would, I would suggest you go ahead and, and uh, start your own production company and just start making them with your friends and people that you know or people that you meet. Um, the other thing is that um, because of what I did as a theater director for almost 40 years, um, you know, I'm, I'm used to running auditions. I mean, we audition for everything. And, and, and um, so sometimes I'll audition people because I, I'm always trying to bring in new people so we have our core group like our rep group that we use all the time like Lothar and Jack and Tanya and everybody and Joe Stofco and people like that and then and then there's um I'm always trying to bring in new people so uh and I am not big on social media but I made a Twitter account for uh for my production company and I just went and listened to a bunch of people's um reels audio reels because all the, all the aspiring, I don't have one, but all the aspiring, you know, professional VAs and professional VAs have a, have a demo reel. And uh, a lot of it's geared towards anime and games and things like that, but still um, you can listen to that. And then I contacted a bunch of people and said, Hey, this, you know, we've got this and and I got a whole list of like, I don't know how many is on that list now of people who are willing to do it, want to do it for, uh, for no money, just, but, um, you know, because we don't pay anyone. And so, um, it using social media was a good way to make connections with people like Pete said, you know, of just finding people who are there because you know, whether it's, um, you know, it just doesn't matter. I mean, lo lives in California. I live in Massachusetts. Pete lives in Texas. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, as long as we get our time, our, you know, time zones, right. You know, we can all do things together and, and, um, you know so that's that's what i do with the script once i once once the script is ready to go um, you know ready to assemble your
6: team
2: yeah i was gonna say i i found at least for us you hold an audition a lot of people show up and not necessarily wanting to act or somewhat interested in acting but hey what's this thing called sound effects that comes up that's come up a couple of times uh just as a contrast to like what pete And Bill were saying, okay, I'm I'm in a tiny town, 6,000 people uh, on the Canadian border, and there's another town of 6,000 immediately across, but the border's closed right now, so effectively we're cut off from them, and we're about two hours from anything. So totally rural, non-urban environment entirely. But by holding an open audition, by holding a couple of meetings, I still found... You know, I think the first meeting we held, probably 20 people showed up, which percentage wise is kind of amazing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then beyond,
2: yeah. And then beyond that, I found my core of like five to 10 who are genuinely interested. And I was worried for a while about, gee, I'm going back to these same folks over and over. Uh, but then I remembered that that's exactly what Shakespeare did. I figured if it worked for him, it should be OK for right. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you
3: bring it more into the future. Uh, yeah. Orson Welles did it with Mercury. I was going to say,
4: also Orson Welles.
3: Yeah.
2: It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's the ensemble company. It's the repertory company. Yeah, And, exactly. and we still, we, we tried to hold a workshop last year, which I have to redo because we held it in February of 2020. And things got in the way. So, but there was like a dozen people at the workshop interested in, in participating one way or another. But I, I think we all seem to be in agreement that the first step is sort of assembling your team is making some kind of an announcement. You know, and, and finding out who's there. And the, the other thing I'd add is take a very close look at your environment because it seems like we've got a bunch of different environments in play here and everybody found a team. Either you're in a, a, a heavy a, a theatrical area like Pete is, or associated with a, a university, or in my case, just a small town. And I got lucky because their only community theater had shut down like two years before. So there was a lot of people with experience and no outlet. And that probably led to why we had the uh, the tremendous uh, outpouring percentage-wise. Um, so it's, I keep wanting to get to this one question uh, that Jack put on his bullet points, because I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. But uh, he also put in it as a bullet point, who is your project leader, which I suppose meshes with the next question, do you need a director? And that's like the most inflammatory thing I've ever heard in... <laughs> Do you really need a director?
3: What? What?
2: What? Uh, But do you need a project? I strike you down, sir. (laughs) Do you need a project leader? uh, Because I've only seen it moderately work once. We we had a community theater that started in town that did everything democratic. It was really weird. Um, And in fact, many people who were involved with that theater used to say, boy, it'd be so nice if we had one vision thoughts on that do you need a project leader or can it be a group kind of scooby-doing around
1: jack just threw up a note that said do you need a different person as the project leader
2: other than different yourself. than what
1: other than <laughs> other, other than one are they're different, different than all. you or me i guess you know <laughs> yeah i i
4: think i think often is the case that we are all sort of uh ships of one driving these things so like yes. it ends up it ends up being Hey I wrote this thing hey I directed this thing hey I'm producing this thing you know and, and then you know in, in my case you know I, I do the sound too so like you you get, you do get to be a, a bit of a spinning plate problem and if you can have a director mm-hmm. that you trust that can just make your actors better so that you can produce the thing 100% it's going to be a better show um I don't know that you need it it does make it a better show mm-hmm. if you can get it yeah it, it, it takes one thing off of your plate as producer writer, then I think that's a benefit. I just, I just don't know how
3: often that happens.
5: Well, uh, in, in,
3: in recent days, I'm sorry, okay. both are
5: go ahead. Uh, just gonna say back in the old days of the audio drama talk world of the of that particular forum, if anybody remembers that, yes. there was a number of people that were like, <laughs> I wrote a script, I wanna do it, but they, they didn't have anybody else to work with. And they'd try and get a producer, they'd try and get a director, and it was really frustrating because, at least for some of the people I remember, because none, they wanted to be the leader, but they're asking for the most work from someone else. Right. And that's really hard when you're not paying anybody. And you better have a really good working relationship if you're saying, I wrote this script. I'm done with it. Now I want you to spend an hour for every finished minute on average for the 60 minute show. And you're going to take my orders and it's got to be my vision. And are you having a good time yet? And, and don't right, change a it's word. Very challenging. Now, Pete was saying, well, I, "I in
3: recent in recent months, I have handed some of the uh, production work over for one of my series to uh, um, another guy, and he's done really wonderful uh, things. Uh, putting, you know, he he does the he cobbles the voices together, and he does the sound effects, and um, he shoots it to me, and I mix the music in." And then it's a it's a um, a nice production overall, uh, and we just finished our first uh, season, and it's been a really nice thing for me knowing that he's going to do a wonderful job. Uh, to just I can let my mind go on to other things and other projects while he's handling this particular one. So um, it was a hot, it was a tough decision, but it was either let him do it. Or not have the shows, so I said, "Okay, I'm going to let him do it." So it was, it was nice, and, and I think he's on. I think he's in our. Uh,
1: yeah, he just put a our panel up. today, Daniel, Daniel French. So he's done great stuff. Um, is yeah, that me? Daniel question Frank's mark. Yeah. Yeah. Ah.
4: yeah, it it is a question of of building a trusting relationship with a person, or as you said, you know, here's my script. I don't care what you do with it. I'm happy to get it produced. Like you, you either have to rest control entirely. Um, which was difficult the first show i did uh i've just produced and that and the community theater i was working with to do it, it assigned a director and it was hard for me to l- let her direct because i had my ideas about the show but oh, yeah. i need but i needed to, but I, d- I didn't write it so it was okay but i needed her i needed her so i could focus that show on getting people to come to the show because it was something it was a it was a stage show and a. Like you, Jeff, in a small town, the town was only five thousand people, and so like it was my job to put butts in seats, so she could concentrate on that. And it was it was hard for me to do that because I would keep want to come and say, like, but you could do that. I would just, and I just she had to check me a bunch of times, but it made for a better show. And she did things that I wouldn't have seen, especially in a stage production. It's nice to have somebody to do that while you're concentrating on other stuff.
2: I was going to ask Jeff. It feel like we're kind of dealing with two different kinds of shows because Pete and Bill and myself do live, and I do podcasts as well. It seems, Jeff. Do you think maybe, and Lothar as well, um, this question really gets a lot more specific. If you are working satellite and remotely, that it seems like the editor becomes the guy or the girl.
5: Yeah, yeah. The producer needs to have their voice because they're going to be the final thing. And that way it's more like the director of like a movie in the sense of like a Scorsese or a Kubrick where there's a strong vision and they have to come out because they are the, to use a comic book metaphor, they're the artist. They're the one that's going to do the final thing or they're the, you know, they really are the film director in that way. Okay. And if you're just trying to basically do what happens a lot in a commercial video, which the producer sits behind the editor and tries to use them as an interface to the technology and doesn't let them have Their own creative outlet. Um, Why did you get a professional to do it if you just want to be the person to do it? So letting them have their voice is absolutely essential, if you're going to have someone else do your script for you.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, that, you know, most of my life has been working on stage. And that's all for me, as a director, that was still a lot about collaboration, and using the staff that worked with me to, with all their strengths, with audio drama, for me, uh, it's more like an tour thing for me um, of I just kind of do it all myself in terms of the, the production. And then whenever I have tons of questions, I, I ask Lothar. So, um, <laughs> and, you know, and uh, he, he sets me straight. But I, I just I don't I don't I'm not I'm not like, you know, Pete does tons of stuff. I don't do a lot of stuff. I just kind of do it here and there. I do something from summer stock, and I do, oh, let's do this or let's do that. But um, so I'm not on any kind of a schedule to get things out and get things done. Um, so I take my time and, and do it. So for me, it's just more of an artura thing. And I just once I get the, all the act all the lines
3: in, I just I just do it all myself. So um, we're still waiting on anything. a Midsummer Night's Dream, by the way.
1: <laughs> it's still yeah, midsummer. You know,
3: <laughs> <Yeah, so. laughs> I'm already no all right so the
1: uh so the uh you know but um you know so that's that's how i do it and and uh, you know but i can see if you're doing a lot like i know jack sends his scripts out to people sometimes right and they do them And they direct his scripts and he's got, he's only got like, you know, 5,000 scripts, you know? So, um, you know, so I think it works well for him, but for me, it's not, it's not in my thing. I don't do that. I don't do enough stuff.
2: Yeah. Jack clarified. He was really about, do we need a different person? I certainly see the point of that. I personally don't find myself in that situation very often because I just don't have that potential. It's too small a town uh minnesotans tend to be very differential and shy and so they don't want to step up i don't deal with egos you know and that's that's nice um but you you deal with the oh i can't no no you better get somebody else no that's okay don't worry you know (laughs) constantly i call it performing with one foot oh geez oh god you sure you want me you know and it's 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 fine but uh a different person that kind of sounds nice. If, if, if there's all these ifs, right. It's like, well, if someone you have a really good working relationship with, and if someone who can share your vision or, or even better come up with that, like totally new vision that, you know, something you didn't really consider moving forward. So is it necessary to have another person? No, there's so many ways to do this. Um, there's so many different ways to do audio.
1: It, yeah. Exactly, and I just yeah. I just throw this in that, that on the uh, since it was just announced in the last session, we're doing Temple of Vampires. Um,
2: oh, that, I love a mystery.
1: That, yes. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I love that one. Yeah,
1: yeah. We're we're doing uh, we're doing all twenty episodes of, of Temple of Vampires, and um, you know when we we decided to do this, we we Jack and Lothar and myself got together and said, look, we got to do this. Uh, Because it's for Bill Holweg, and and, you know, so we got to do this. Um, What are we going to do? And so, in that that case, we divvied it up. So Jack became the producer because he's you know he's good at that. You know he he's Mister Database, right? And if he's (laughs) if he's listening, hi Jack. you, You know you know who you know who you are, right? And you know he's got everything on a database, and he's very good, and he does all that work. And says, okay, you know. We got a recording session Sunday at one. He sends the reminders and he's everything's all set. I took the reins of being the director and the mixer. Um, so I'm directing the episodes and then I'm gonna do post-production. Lothar's really busy right now. I mean, I'm retired, so I can do that. Lothar's really busy with work and, and uh like that. So he said, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'll do all of the uh the cleanup work because he's so good at the technical stuff. And so I know I'm gonna get lines from Lothar that are as clean as they can possibly be. And he's also gonna do the intro and the music and all that. So I'll just do all the, the um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the actual mixing of the show and I'll just be able to plug all the other stuff in. Um, so, so in that case, we divvied it all up between the three of us um, in an equitable manner so that we could get this done because we know it's going to take us a couple of years to get this thing done. Uh, 20, 20, 15 to 20 minute episodes, right. To get to a mutual. So there's, like you said, Jeffrey, there, there's just so many ways to do this. And and the only thing I could say to somebody who, if we're focusing on the, the first time person is just do it, you know, just get the lines, put it together and, and, gonna be what it's gonna be, and you're gonna learn a ton, and, and just just do it.
5: Don't I, wait. Don't I, wait till the time is right. Just do it. I've important. got a suggestion for how to do that that might be manageable for people. That let's say you're a writer, you've written your, your uh, you've, you want to write scripts for audio drama. You love them. You don't know if you want to be a producer in the sense of a technical ed, mixer editor sort of thing. You don't even know about acting. Maybe you want to act in it or whatever. Do a. This this goes back to again oral storytelling. They say the first story you should tell is no more than five minutes long. Mm -hmm. Just do that for your first time and then build from there. And I would say the same thing, write a small script with maybe one or two people for five to 15 minutes at the most, and then produce it. Don't expect that this is be good, that you're going to get it out there. Just do it for the experience of, can I use the software? Do I enjoy the process? Do I like only the writing and everything else I hate? Then maybe another art form is for you. If you really like it all and you go, this is great. I want to do more build upon that. But the worst thing you can do is say, I've got my hour long script with 10 actors and now <laughs> I don't know what to do. And I've gone 15 minutes into the show and I'm crashing and burning. And now I got to tell everybody I hate this. Don't, don't set yourself up for failure. I've
2: got you a fart, fight scene on horseback.
1: Yeah. <laughs> with uh, real swords. Yeah, it exactly. Came up, it came up yesterday. And I don't know, Bill, if you said it or somebody said it, but but do something and finish it. You know, and, and if it's a, if it that's hard, because, you know, I'll, you know, like, like Pete said, you know, I've got stuff that I, I haven't completed, you know, and and like that. But if you do something small, like Lothar said, a five minute thing and and just complete it, you're going to get a, a sense of real accomplishment. And then say, OK, I, I can do this or I like <clears> doing this or I don't like doing it, whatever that may be. But but, um, you know, that's. That's I'm going to
2: just, thought. just as an aside, I'm going to find, uh, years ago, we found, uh, a kid series called five minute mysteries.
1: Yeah.
6: Yes. There were, yeah. There I were, there were,
2: there were books of those. And I think I adapted one or two of those Jack put up this supplementary materials folder. I think one of the emails linked to that. So if anyone would like that, those are wonderful. Cause it is literally like a five minute story with a break in the middle where you come yeah. back and solve the mystery. Um, whenever yeah. we did like a youth workshop,
1: yeah, did one very- of those they're very fun very silly and i know yep. that um larry groby has a great website generic radio uh scripts and i know he's got like three of two or three of them there too <clears throat> uh of the five minute mystery scripts they're there um like, cool. back to, like I, just a, I just read a bunch of them i listened to a bunch of them they're very silly and very fun
2: uh so quick question for the group robert has off has asked a couple questions in the chat do we want to break jack's system he sure. said, wait till. Okay. I was going to say, because he said, well, wait till the last half hour to start taking questions from the participants. But uh, we, you know, most He's of the out battling on a
1: lake somewhere. Yeah.
2: <laughs> most of the questions were like, do you need a casting director? Do you need a director? Do you need this? I, I do want to ask that question before we move on to Robert's question. Sure. Um, do you need a director in that? Do you need a, a dialogue? Co- you need someone to work with the actors specifically on delivery and character pete's chomping at the bit i i
3: i i I, that's one of my favorite things to do really is to work with the actors so that their performance is as uh uh, perfect as possible um i've I've even helped other producers find actors from my own troupe and and provide stuff and so they come over to my place and they record on my microphone so it's a nice quiet uh recording Mm. and and they They've come back because I'll work with them. It's, it's not just them reading the lines. It's me coaching them and getting that. Let's try it this way. I th- he probably wants more like this uh, because I can read the lines. I can read ahead and find out. Um, first of all, I came late to the table and Jeff mentioned a few minutes ago that I'm doing lots of stuff. It's because I'm I've wanted to do audio drama since I was a little kid. And I thought I had to buy my own radio station in order to do it. And then when podcasting (laughs) came along, I was blind to the possibilities of audio drama. I thought it was just two guys sitting around talking about BS all day and then didn't realize the (laughs) possibilities for audio drama. So I'm late to the table. So I'm doing as much as possible before I die, whenever that might be. Um, I want to leave a vast catalog of of audio drama before that happens. So um, when it comes to this, um, the, the coaching and, and the dialogue of, of or, or directing, it's very important that the actor knows it's not just reading the lines. It's very important that the, the actor knows that you are painting a picture with your words. Um, I tell everybody it's on stage, uh, uh, the audience will forgive you if you flub your lines because you're wearing a funny hat or a wig or makeup or a, a nice costume to distract them. But audio drama doesn't have that. Audio drama is you and the audience of listeners, and they have to be able to see that funny hat in their minds. They have to be able to see that costume just by how you deliver that line. So, uh, for me, it's very important that the uh, um, the lines are are delivered in in the best way possible, so that picture gets painted for the audience of listeners.
2: So, for the That's satellite, I
3: have to say about that. <laughs>
2: for the satellite directors how does this work when when the directing is well when you get you get like a, a wave file with three versions of a line and that's it
5: for me um, if i um if i'm working with a new actor i will usually try and set up a time to talk to them and sort of give them some ideas i'll give them a role that's also appropriate for what they can do within satellite which is something that. Uh, was kind of trained into me again with that first company that I worked with because we did a lot of that. Here's your first time, you've got a cameo line. Now we're gonna see, can you you do that? We'll build from there. And you can do that remotely a lot easier than something more intensive. When it comes to trained actors that I trust, um, as I was mentioning yesterday, I take more of the William Friedkin approach uh, to retakes, to to, uh, rehearsals, to that, which is trust your actor, let them give you something. If it's something unexpected, but it's still good, that makes my show better. So I, I like to give the actors as much leeway. There's been times where I've gotten takes that are so different from what I expected, but then I think, how can I make this work? And it actually adds more nuance. It gives more depth to the character, more depth to the show, and it allows them to be part of the participant. So I know um, that's how I like to do it is I like to give the, the actors, if they are already competent um, and good, to, uh, to have some leeway in their own voice in it and bring it to it.
2: Do you think it's necessary if you're going to work satellite to at least have some session where you're you're on Zoom or on the phone with the actor? Maybe not it can necessary. Help, but it's
5: not necessary. There was a lot of times where we did that before we had Zoom and Skype, where we just had to send it to everybody and make it work. Yeah. So you kind of run <laughs> up but yeah. The, Zoom helps. being able to meet is great. A
3: rehearsal, a rehearsal, a read through helps definitely. And and yeah. thanks to the pandemic, if you can ever say thanks to the pandemic. Uh, this has become more prevalent and and people are doing these uh zoom meetings more more often and i've used them myself um for it's a wonderful life we're going to have zoom rehearsals um starting in september um and then we won't meet in the theater until the week before we open because of these um read-throughs and uh that that's only for technical the lights and the the sound and everything like that yeah um but it's not for if you're doing a long-term production a series where the same characters are going to be in it episode after episode, that eats up a lot of time. I would say trust your actors, like Lothar said, let them do their what their thing. Uh, I love it when an actor gets that, gets the character so so well that they see something that you didn't, and yeah. brings that extra extra little oomph to the role. Um, that's just a wonderful surprise when that happens. I think Serendipity, depen- baby.
1: I think it depends on uh, Jeffrey, who the actors are too. So, so if I cast a show and I cast Lothar and Jack and Tanya and Joe Stofko and David, all people like that, um, you know, there's very little direction that's needed. I know what they're going to give me, and I know they're going to give me more than I asked for. Uh, if it's somebody who's new or I haven't worked with them, then I'll, I'll offer them like a, you know you know, Hey, you want to get together on zoom or do you want to whatever and, and talk about it? And, and, you know, or, or sometimes I've had people, you know, ask me like, well, what do you want as a director? And I said, well, that's not the question. It's not what I want. It's what do you, what's there for you to give me? Cause you're the actor. Like oh, that. They, so, they love so that. Awesome. Jeff. What, that?
2: <laughs> they love that. They love it when your directors do that.
1: <laughs> uh, I've always done that because I because I, it's not it's not what I want as a director. It's what the group it's going to come from, you know, because acting comes from from I think, you know, I, I go with the um, Sanford Meister thing that acting is behaving truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So acting is about behavior. Acting comes from your gut, um, not your head. And so you need to feel it and you need to be it and, and put it out there how it's right for you to put it out there. Um, but what some people, what what I've told some people who are a little trepidatious, you know, I say, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just like peel off a bunch of lines and shoot them to me, you know, and then I can see them, we can talk about it and then it gives them confidence and, and like that. So there's a, there's a ton of ways to do it and it should all be gentle. It should all be nice. It should all be professional, um, because, you know, creative, you can, you can, stifle creativity by you know being a jerk and um so it's um so i, I think it's great but like i said when you know it's somebody like Lothar, i don't tell him anything i say here's the part
5: you know oh, i get these lines back and they're totally amazing so he also um, knows that if there's any questions that i'll be like hey how do you want it this way that way the other and then you know that kind of communication between actor and director when you've had a relationship um just makes it really easy to work remotely. It's it's super easy, you know, and,
1: and I know if, if I need something, I just, hey, Lothar, can you just shoot that one to me again? You know, and, uh, you know, with well, maybe try a little different choice. And, and I, I don't think it's ever really happened, but, um, you know, I know I could do that and it would, wouldn't be a problem.
2: One thing but to when point somebody out.
1: Gives, like when you ask the problem, Jeffrey, getting to what you were saying is that one of the problems with satellite is when somebody only shoots you. Um, one take. You know, and, yeah. and that's all you get. And and some people do that. And all you get's one, and it, it doesn't really fit in. And then it, that's an issue. So if, if you're doing satellite acting and you've agreed to it, and you've been asked for three takes, then you know shoot shoot them three takes and make them make them different. And uh, because we're you know when Lothar and I are mining through those takes, you know, we're trying to find the one that fits right in with the one that just came before it, the right tone, the right, whatever. And so um, that can be an issue sometimes.
3: As an actor, I generally don't even get into it until the second or third take. So the first one is always a throwaway when I'm, when I'm recording myself and, and it's like, oh, oh, that's what it meant. So, and then the second one has more inflection than the third one is just, I, I play around with it, see if I can make it sound different. So yeah, please. As, as Jeff said, uh, give more. More is better.
2: And to everyone, you know, tuning in, asking, you know, if you, if uh, we're kind of gearing this towards people that maybe haven't produced very much or on their first time, know that I, I am a history buff and have read a fair amount about the history of the art form going back to the radio's golden age. It kind of worked this way then. There was a lot of shows that came together because the director knew that an individual actor was had a particular set of talents and you could just go down. Uh, Robert Mott's book, radio sound effects includes a lot of information about, um, there was this single cafe in New York that had a chalkboard that was like, that was like central casting for radio actors. And <laughs> it was not I unusual. Book. Radio yeah, sound yeah. effects, radio sound effects. Robert, I Mott. have that
3: book. It's a wonderful book. It yeah. is yeah, it's terrific. Fun. Jack, so if you're listening, next
2: next MadCon, a whole thing. Books on radio. Uh, they're ah, wonderful. yeah. <laughs> but there's a section in there, and people would get called away for, like, you know, one rehearsal, one read-through. The The prestige shows back in the day, like Suspense, yeah, they would do a whole week of rehearsals running up to broadcast. But a lot of those, like, serials and kids stuff, uh, you maybe get one. Or maybe was, you're just called in. The daily in last serials week. were just, you, oh. you could never yeah Yeah, why rehearse that everyone's playing the same uh, part over and over and over again there's no memorization necessary so point being if you're doing radio um you're doing audio there's a lot of different ways to do this i'm throwing it to bill because bill's been muted for a long time
4: that's all right uh i mean i i sort of concur with everyone what's what you're saying is but like also as a live shows are real different so you know i i can rehearse them all day my actors usually get we'll get together two or three times before a show just to make sure I, we know who everybody is. Cause it's a, when we do a live show, it's a, it's five different episodes plus music. So it's it, you, everybody's double cast. So we just, we run through it a couple of times and just mostly because we like each other. So we have the opportunity to actually hang out and be around each other. That's sort of the fun part. But my frustration is that I have actors that will get on stage and do something completely different than we've done in rehearsal. Um, yeah, I've got one, one really talented young man who's a good actor, but he's extremely fidgety, and like he does great rehearsal when it's come But he gets on stage and he just he starts. He's he's perfect for radio because he moves around too much. um Because on, on when you have him on stage, he he, he looks like a five year old on you know on uh sugar that he's all over the place. But like in rehearsal, he's great. So I think that's the thing that I struggle with is getting them to do what they do live and they don't do that you guys get multiple takes to get the one you want i get the one um and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um yeah uh you know i i'm I'm looking at robert's question and he says what do you look for when you're casting voice prior acting or prior, prior acting ability i think one of the charms of doing radio is that you you don't need a lot of prior acting ability it helps but because you're reading and not memorizing, you can goose people along if they have the right voice.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know, I, I I think it is a gateway to acting for a lot. Of, you know, I'm sure Jeffrey, for like your community theater folks, is like, you can take somebody who's not necessarily done a ton because they're not acting the same way on stage as they are in radio. You can you can coach them differently, especially with multiple takes, than you can in a live show where they have to memorize lines and can't walk around and have to walk around. But I know that what I look for is authenticity in the voice uh, and range when I'm looking for actors. I, I, I want an actor that can do a couple of parts for me that, that has the range, that gets the timing of how to talk. Uh, when you know, uh, you know, One of the things I tell them all the time on stage is like, remember to look up. You know, they, 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 as, as radio actors, we tend to be reading and I have to remind them, like, hey, you know, you're acting still, you, the audience still has to connect with you. And I, I think that's appropriate, even if you are reading satellite, you have to look up once in a while because you want them to connect with wherever they are, not just the page itself. Um, but I try to make sure that if I'm casting an old man, it's an actual old man, not a 15-year-old doing an old man voice because it always reads and you can kind of tell. Um, so for me, I, like I, I try to get... Closer to authentic. I know there's good voice actors that can do anything, but like, I try not to fake it if I don't have to, badly, because I I think it shows. Um, Bill,
2: for our live show, Bill, would you ever do an adult actor playing a child?
4: Oh yeah, in in a minute. But like, I but I think that there. And, and again, I have voice actors that can do the yeah. range of what they're doing. I think that if the opportunity arises, I think it. There's a tenor in the voice that changes that if you're not a really good voice actor, get the person that sounds like what you want him to sound like. You know, we 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 did um, when we did hitchhikers, I found an actual Englishman to do Arthur Dent because no matter who else, like everybody I cast had a terrible English accent. <laughs> it was just it <laughs> and was that's just, tough. And it was yeah, and, tough and, to it, find. And, and, and and in that instance, it was gonna bleed the entire show to have someone who is an actor doing their royal pronunciation poorly kills it so like if 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 that's an opportunity get it if you don't have it i mean i i also come from the school of thought that if you you know the kevin costner school that if you don't have an actor that can do an accent don't have them do it Um, robin hood yeah that's 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 the kevin costner class on on all
2: you got to say is robin hood
4: yeah (laughs) if you if you're if you're if you're unsure just just let them be, just let them be with their own voice. And and the audience will give that grace rather than someone doing a Dick Van Dyke English accent for your whole show. That's another it's good one. Jolly the day with I, mean, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's I'm, I'm doing comedy. So like there's a lot of leeway there, and you can have fun with that. And you know, I, I, I said this yesterday. I, I every time I write, I thank Mel Brooks for letting us have the Germans. Because <laughs> cause, cause we because we've whittled away what we can make fun of more and more as we be, as we become you know, a little more aware of the offense we call
3: you'll always have the nazis we'll always have yes. the nazis
4: it's always funny yeah and you
3: can it's just it's, <laughs> really, it's always there for you um yeah
2: I, we'll always have nazis
3: <laughs> we'll always have Nazis. can i if, <laughs> let me uh, augment what what bill has said on a couple of points i have an actor who uh is, he's one of my favorite guys he's, he's terrific in person he's just a very talented actor everybody loves him but uh um when he's on stage, there's no telling what he's gonna do. Uh, I cast him as Iago when we did a a live audio of uh, Othello a couple of years ago. And I told him, when you're Iago, my vision is that Iago is treating everything as a royal joke, everything is funny to him. I need you to make Iago light. And and he kept going deep. He's got a very deep voice, but he, he's capable of going higher. He just kept going down and sinister and very deep. It was like oh, he couldn't get it. But when he's on stage, I can't stop him and say no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to be. Uh, and I cast him in uh, *Arsenic and Old Lace* when we when I directed that for a stage production, and he just he was um, the the murderous older brother. And he didn't play it straight, he, he played it for comedy, and I couldn't get oh. him to stop doing that. And you're supposed to play that or that brother, uh, Jonathan. Uh, um, it's the Boris Karloin right? Yeah, it's funny it's because he's playing it straight, but he just kept goofing <sighs> and making jokes. Um, so there's that and then um, uh, locally. We have uh, our, our junior college puts on Shakespeare every year. And I was, and they used to have a summer Shakespeare that uh, uh, community people could uh, audition for it and be in it. And I was in um, uh, Love's Labor's Lost and I played King Ferdinand in that. I was a lot skinnier back then and had more hair on the top of my head. Um, but the, the premise in there is that nobody does accents. So right. it, it's Shakespeare, but everybody just kept, an American accent, and didn't try to do anything because there, not everybody can do it. Right. Uh, in my most recent production for Jack Ward, Summerstock, we did. Uh, I did Algiers, and you know, in the movie, the old movies, um, not everybody could do an accent. So you had Americans mm-hmm. doing American accents, even though they were playing French people. So I said, let's not even try that. Um, Charles Boyer role, I played that. So is Pepe Le Moco, I did. Uh, you know, <laughs> and then um, he's, he's my, Pepe Le Pew, right? That's who Pepe Le Pew is
4: based Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. So I did
3: that. Uh, Come with me to the casbah. (laughs) But the others, if they were Americans in the movie, I said, don't try to do an accent. Just do it like the guy did in the movie. And it it worked. I think it worked really well. It was very much like uh, a remake of the movie instead of a remake of the radio show. And I, I think it worked really well. Uh, can I jump it's, in it's, and, it's all and... about the performance and not the kind of voice you can do.
1: Right. Go can I jump in. Cause we have a couple of questions and we should be on to uh, questions. Yeah, right They're yes. kind
2: of, I was looking at that. They're kind of meaty questions. So we're probably going to need more yes, than a half We should hour. probably do it.
1: Cause it's, it's 12.05 or something. And you know, mm-hmm. I love the greatest hits, but. Let's one the, the one part.
5: thing I'd like to throw in there just for a satellite recording try, thing, and, then, and I'll completely shut up, but if I don't <laughs> say this, it's not be there. if you're an actor and you want to be satellite, you want to be a part of the team that we are searching for, make sure you adhere to the submission guidelines of satellite recording that they give you. If you only give one take and they've asked for three to five, you can't follow instructions. They're probably not going to ask you to be part of the team. If you can't do it in the right bitrate code, if you can't submit it, it's kind of like a magazine. If you can't follow the submission guidelines, the editor doesn't even want to work with you because you can't even hit that basic goal. So make sure you do what the director or the producer says for submission, and that'll be your first step into the door. I'm done. Very good. Same okay. goes for
4: writing. Make sure if you're submitting your writing, make sure you format it the way that they ask for it to. Don't do it the way you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Look at how the submission guideline is.
2: So I feel like we've we've already kind of hit the first part of Robert's question. What do you look for in casting? Voice, prior acting ability. I think we were just dealing with that. Um, if I'm if I'm reading the room correctly, uh, he just I noticed theaters often rely on volunteers. Well, yes. Um, who has a budget here? Just, just in case we do we do uh, we are lucky enough to pay our actors a bit, but we're also so remote. That we don't really have access to sag after people. So who does have funding and who does pay small stipends? I think Robert's looking for work is what's going on.
3: I call my group the community theater of the mind. So we've got no budget whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have it. There's no money for us.
6: Yeah, there's no, there's no I'm very clear
1: about that you know, when I, when I contact people, I you know, this is an unpaid opportunity because nobody makes money here
6: right. uh,
1: on this. And so I say that up front because a lot of people that work with me are, you know, people who are professional voice actors. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, but they have slots where the, most of them will say, yeah, I mean, I, I have some time where I can do stuff for free if it's cool, if it's a fun project. And I am always appreciative of that. Um, so yeah, well, there's no money from where I work. I'm coming from
4: yeah. for, for a li- for a live show, it's pizza and beer and 50 bucks. usually. Nice. Yeah.
2: nice. I do for that. And I have heard from a lot of like professional voice actors, you know, if you're a professional voice actor and you're actually making some money, you're probably doing a lot of like video game work, which is hour after hour of, uh, ah, ah, uh, ah, just that. So a play is like a vacation. I actually get to act, yes, I will come in and do that, and you know, and if I can do that from my spot, from my studio, from my easy chair, all the better. so we we have uh, we have funding from a couple variety of sources, but yeah, fifty, 75 bucks per show, and for the folks we get, it's interesting. they often try and do the Minnesota Nice thing, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine, don't worry about, it. but they always take the check. Yeah. And <laughs> and it does keep people coming back. Yeah. So Robert, a, if you're yeah.
4: <laughs> it's a token.
2: Yeah, it is. It's hey, I respect you. Thank you for your work. Um, it's it's weird because of course we pay everybody and the like the first timers or the sound effects people are staring at the check like it's magic. Yeah. Um, but they learn pretty quick, that's the ceiling, folks. There's not Hollywood does not come calling yet.
4: Right. And I think that's not to say there isn't. Money in it, and you can't. I just don't. I think that's not the expectation when you're starting, right? You know, I mean, sure, there are shows that people get paid that have you know giant audiences on podcast things, and they they make money. But I don't think that's. I don't think that as you're starting is where you need to think you need to be. I think you, but uh, but as you said, uh, when you're clear at the beginning, hey, this is what this is. This is what we're offering. I think that makes it nice for them to know. Um, You know, like like we charge for tickets. Uh, so I split you know I usually try to split the gate up yeah best we can
2: and it's just fair to say the vast majority of audio drama work right now unpaid right
4: vast yeah, vast yeah.
2: majority yeah so if you want to get into acting I mean you might get lucky but uh, maybe enough to go out for dinner there really isn't much it's more. a great learning
3: experience it really is it's so much different from stage acting so it's uh, it, it it pays in in terms of um, improving yourself is how has, I see it
2: Has anyone ever worked with a SAG-AFTRA professional?
3: Yes, I have Oh yeah, They did it for free and it was just a nice just a nice thing to be able to yeah. say, I got Julia Morizawa from blah 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 yeah.
2: Yep, I got Billy Joe Cones from Minneapolis Actors relocated to Atlanta and uh, pretty sure she, she's SAG-AFTRA and I, I, I don't know the legalities of that, but they have that option, right? Even if they're SAG after, they can just say, "Sure, I'll do this for free."
3: I think so. Yeah. Uh,
4: Yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah, there are rules that they have to follow. Um, But if, but once it's, it's once you go that route, that's the route that you are in. If you're not doing that, I mean, if you're doing community theater, you're doing community theater. If it is paid, if if the actors are being paid a rate, then you have to make the rates. But like, you know, if you're saying, you know, this is what we're offering, a stipend. Then, it, then, then it's a little bit more grace, but th- that's your regional theaters unions rules. So yeah.
2: different in, in inter-
5: international falls. You can check on the uh, international crossover. Right
2: between oh yeah. Them. I'll go down to the office and talk yeah. to the rep.
5: Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it different in other countries? Like I know uh, both Jack and Greg yeah. Taylor have lost uh, Canadian actors because they signed their union card and they couldn't do this anymore.
1: Right. They're, they're really not supposed to. Um, I'm a member of the director's union, the national director's union and, and, um, uh, if you're a member of Actors' Equity, tag After is a little different, but if you're a member of Actors' Equity, there's a certain, um, there's a contract that needs to be signed and there's a certain amount of money and there are certain things that you have to be afforded um, on set and offset and things like that. So uh, how some people get around it is they they just use a different name.
6: Yeah.
1: Um, you're, you're,
4: they you're, Al, you're
2: Alan they,
1: Smithies. Yeah, they know Yeah, so... <laughs> And that way, they're, they're
2: there. hopefully, they don't use that name. That carries certain connotations about the show. But, uh, but, but, um, you, Jeff, your feeling or your experience has been: equity people will still move around it if they can.
1: Well, on stage, I mean, there's been some sometimes when it's a, a non-union production, and sometimes actors have said, "Yeah, I'll do it," but I'll I'll just use a different name. Um, because they want to do it. It's the Because actors are typically, you know, unpaid or underpaid, then, uh, you know, actors' equity is, is a good thing and, and it should be there. And even when you pay an actor the equity rate, like for a contract job, of a non-union job, it's really not that much money. Um, so, um, you know, but so people will do it. And I mean, I guys, I'm a member of the Directors Union, and and um, you know, but I can still direct shows out that are non-union, um, like that. That's not the same as being an Equity actor.
3: For, For you Robert guys
4: did- that are doing live shows, are you are you doing them in community theater spaces? or Are you doing them in union halls?
3: I'm doing mine in a community theater.
4: Yeah. I think that makes a difference. Like where, where you happen to be staging your show. If it's live. Makes a difference.
2: I hadn't even thought of that. We have a, yeah. we're a paper mill town and we have a very, you know, the union hall is like a main gathering place. We've never happened to do a show there, but uh, we do live some, some live shows as well, but like, actually we're doing one on Wednesday, but it's outdoors in a park space.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I didn't mean the union hall, like the, I meant like the, like a union stage. Ah, uh, I so see. like, 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 in, this, in the city, there are stages I can't go on because they're fully unionized stages. So like everybody right. in it, you walk in the door, it's a thing. So like, oh, okay. but for us, you know, we're doing shows <clears throat> in upstairs and bars. So it's like not a big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. But even, even if, if an equity actor was, did a show in a bar, he's still supposed to be get equity contract. Right. So.
2: Robert, it sounds like the specifics behind Robert's question was he, he's looking at maybe supporting his actors and I've run into this before where first-timers or inexperienced folks uh, get worried. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go, I don't want to go go against the union. If thugs are going to come around that kind of concern. Um,
4: it's usually teamsters you worry about, not the actors.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
6: yeah usually.
4: Then,
2: yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I, I think it's fair to say, you know, do your thing and you're probably okay. There isn't a lot of money spent on enforcement, from these unions and if the actor is on your side wants to do the show and is willing to work around contracts or whatever um you're probably okay thoughts on that is that right i I
3: don't have enough experience with that's an
1: individual that's an individual thing if you know an actor wants to do that as a charity thing or you know one-off thing or that's that's completely up to that person yeah Um, they're
6: always
4: allowed to donate their time
1: yeah so you know that's that's a, that's an ethical thing based on, on what you want. You know, it, I think it's the same, this is something completely different, but I think it's the same with in terms of, of ethics, in terms of what you use, what material you use. If you use, you know, people use copyright material that think that's, that's an issue, you know, mm-hmm. so it comes down to a lot of ethics in terms of, of this, that would make me a good panel sometime for this, you know,
2: rules um, I have broken.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, rules, rules. Yeah. Subtitle um,
5: The Never Ending Fan Fiction Argument <laughs> Fight.
1: Well, since copyright is copyright, you know, it's not a. It's a simple oh, simple. crap. No, my cat just Je- did that.
3: Yeah.
2: But that wasn't you, right? That was the camera. No, that, that, that looked horrifying.
3: <laughs> no, that's very scary, Jeff. <laughs> are you okay? God, Jeff,
2: are you okay?
5: Do we you call know, 911? God, what God just fell into the ocean.
1: <laughs> he, got, he got canceled. But no, what I'm saying is thats that. Is that since copyright infringement is a um it's civil it's a civil issue so that the copyright holder would have to enforce you know enforce that um so sometimes they do sometimes they don't so sometimes in fan fiction companies will say hey i'm getting so much mileage out of this because everybody's doing fan fiction that it's like advertising and they won't they won't litigate but others you know will say you know no, yeah. you can't use myself, and I'm going to, literally, I'm going to send you a season and this over. You know, <laughs> weren't you get you also mentioning
5: left. Star Trek yesterday. Yeah, oh, we're talking
2: about Star Trek, yeah, Star yeah. Wars. Um, just, Doctor but,
6: Who? Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> no we're doing right. Doctor
2: What. Uh, but yeah. just to kind of reiterate, it, it really, I, I think there is a concern for uh, first timers or inexperienced. Ooh, I don't want to break the rules. There are more guidelines than they are rules. And if your actor's on board, you're fine. And if you'd like to pay them, um, I don't even do W nines, and we definitely don't want to steer this conversation that way because taxes and forms is right. hideously boring. But I, I, for several years, have just sent my actors at the end of the year, "Hey, here's the checks you got. What here's what they add up to. Here's our uh, our employee identification number, and then it's up to them to whether or not to uh, to report that income. And uh, I don't know if they do, and I don't want to know. Right. Um, And that's about as far as I've done with the rules. And so far, uh, the jackbooted thugs haven't shown up. So, you know, a a lot of this stuff, the worst that can happen is the equivalent of a cease and desist letter where someone in authority says, hey, stop doing that. uh, And then you stop doing it, as opposed to being sent to jail. Um, I, you know, I can come up with scenarios where you might end up in big trouble, but I don't think they're likely so yeah pay your actors.
4: There, uh, one, one part of Robert's question was, what do you budget for a whole show, though?
2: Huh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, the whole what, shebang. What know, do you guys budget for? Every, every penny of my zero budget.
5: Uh, discretionary funds. When I go, I really want to buy some licensed music for this one instead of public yeah. domain or, or free use music. So there's that, you know, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever I can afford out of my pocket, not going to declare it on taxes. It's just me buying something. Right. Yeah. Same
1: thing. I'll do the same thing. I'll buy some music and, and um, you know, but that's about the extent of it. There's, there's, there's no money. Correct. It's all um, no. just, I've I used mean, my own, own funds. funds to buy yeah, my shows we had you know a lot of times we had big budgets a lot of times we had no budget but doing this on my own um you know there's there's no money there at all if i was i would pay actors. i believe in that yeah
4: but but it, again if you're putting it in the ether buy the buy the music don't don't try because i i mean i've found that i'll do a snippet of a song and it's fine for the live show but as soon as i put it on the internet i get I will you will get flagged like the, the algorithms are there to find
5: oh, good oh, I, I have a horror story that I won't say any names specifically but I know of some people that got hit because the problem when you do with licensed music like actual through the release and I forget the the name of the company basically that one company that reg that basically follows who's licensed these songs for these radio stations and stuff
3: yeah ASCAP
5: yeah, yeah ASCAP, ASCAP BMI yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you uh they got a letter saying, we've found out that you've used this music. You forgot to pay your licensing fees. Here is now a bill. If you do not pay it, we will take you to court. They went to a lawyer. The lawyer told them, pay the uh, bill. you have no leg to stand in. You have to pay this. And if you've done other stuff, take it off your feed right now before they find it. Yep. It was in the multiple digit uh, decimal points of fees. No cease and desist.
0: Mm.
5: No civil, um, I mean, it's civil, but no leeway. It's just like, you did this, this is the law's, Ignorance is no excuse. You owe us this right. money. Don't play around with music that you do not have the right to use. Exactly. A big deal exactly.
1: There. Do not use copyright music. There are there are sites out there that you can uh, you know purchase use for a, a particular show. Like I know Love how you and I have used Pond Five. Yeah, right? Pond Five is great. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're great. And then there's free, there's free music right. like in CompaTech so right creative
3: like commons that. licenses and that yeah. and i had, and I had a also,
2: really i had a really cool conversation for about 2 hours once with kevin McLeod, and he's a great guy and he he's in compatech.com yeah, and no, he really is giving this music away
3: his music
1: is. is wonderful yeah and and also people might not be aware of it but um, the singer moby you know moby the star, yeah. uh, he has a whole site of his music that he has put on for free that you can use it's dead it's made he puts it up there for films but i just downloaded a bunch and i told him because you have to fill out a form of what you're going to use it for where it's going to go it can't be for any monetary gain and then um i said i'm going to use this on a on a radio drama and i got the thing back perfect you know use it have fun with it (laughs) and it's all it's all great music although some of it you have to be careful some of it is music that he has he has put out and so like youtube will flag it yes even though you have even though you have permission to use it the youtube algorithm will flag it because it has been distributed so you need to still be careful but there's my point is if, if someone's just starting out don't use copyright scripts. Don't use copyright music. Just make up your own. Find the free music that you can use, and all those problems go away. Um, so, or That's use
2: right classical because it's really hard to identify whether this performance was the London Symphony from 1950 something or right. the uh, the Denmark Radio Orchestra from the 70s. Hey, I'm falling down on my job because I realized there's this Q and A feature I didn't even know existed till about 30 seconds ago. And, and uh, if you click on that, uh, the, well, there's commonly expected compensation for a voiceover actor. I think we pretty much established there is no common expectation. Um, it's all over the map. But, question for Bill any experience, any overlap in our work in radio drama and your work as location scout for sci fi film?
4: Uh, no, other than. Uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, so. Uh, what i do in real life is i'm a location scout for tv and movies i've done it's always sunny in philly and but whatever comes to this area i do a lot of um uh i get to i get to see some of my actors on set sometimes um but um that was a fun day i was shooting in a warehouse and one of my radio actors was there as an extra um but it's in as much as it allows me to sort of cross um creative genres i get to spread the love a little differently i think that's the big thing and all, also, it gives me better access to places where I want to put on my shows. <laughs> you
6: know,
4: the, the, the true story, as a location scout, I, I, I'm good at finding good venues. So, that- yeah, it's not, 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 uh, not a lot of overlap there.
2: I think there's a whole future job with audio location scout, because I'm not brave enough to try it yet, but I'd love to try it like what Fred, Fred Greenhall's does with these essentially location audio recordings where you go out with microphones instead of cameras to a space, And you begin to realize that is an entirely different set of skills. Imagine going into a place, trying to figure out, okay, does this sound like what my director needs? Yeah. Um, Also wanted to bring up, as we talked about music, guys are flogging their wares here in the chat field. (laughs) So if you're looking for royalty for your creative commons music, uh, there's some, some links.
5: Good. Another thing that's uh, automatically public domain is anything that is done by a military band. Really? Because they are public servants. Writing that At least this is in the United States. I didn't know that. Public servants, their performance is public domain because they're on the clock to us. We paid them. We own it (laughs) because they're public. I found the U.S. military band, a
3: jazz band, army jazz band. I found some recordings a few years ago. Oh, nice. That's good to know.
2: Wow, that is amazing. Thank you, Luke.
3: But yeah, but no, I I'm still have to worry lucky. about the rights holder of the need to get self
4: sometimes.
5: Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, what if, what if the jazz band's playing like Duke Ellington?
5: I should probably clarify that it probably should be public domain music that they are then playing. Uh, and yeah. So I was saying like older classical pieces that they were doing, things like that yeah. I've been able to use. But yeah, okay. do not. I am not a legal expert. Uh, double check anything I say with someone who actually has credentials.
4: Yeah. I I, I I will say that Jack has a whole page on this on the Sonic page. so. If, cool. you're, if you're not sure dig deep there
1: yeah he does He'll... he's got all kinds of resources there
4: yeah, yeah. i mean not, not not that's not why we're here to talk about this but like before we go down that rabbit hole of you know i've you can use this song but not this song yeah it, it, it is comp it is complicated and like they, like you said they will find you
3: you know yes they will uh, no um, there are There are composers who do this. Uh, We've seen a few uh, pop up in the Q&A, but I was very lucky uh, because here in Corpus Christi, uh, one of my good friends is a a, a composer uh, and he's done lots of music. He's always involved in our live shows and he's done lots of music for us uh, and he's expanded to other producers. So if, um, um, and, and because he's a music professor he has been putting this on his, um, what do they call it? The CV or whatever. Um,
2: kind of like his reel.
3: Yeah. He gets to put it at okay. it as he's composing and that's his professional part of his professional uh, publishing sure. life. CV is like expanded resume. Yeah. I forget what it's, what it stands for. Jeff. Oh, curriculum. Right. Curriculum Vitae. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so I had to
2: look that up too. Yeah. Yeah. Resume is not good enough anymore. We have to have curriculum vitae. Well, you know, the, the, the point of the uh, panel was gather your team. Do we want to talk about a composer or a musician? Is that, I think we've established that's maybe not necessary, necessary, but what has uh, everyone's experience been with having a music guy or guys or girls?
0: Well,
2: that's uh, actually
5: involved. One thing I did for budget with my show is I actually hired Sharon B. through Jack. And she and I worked together for a while and I paid her you know, whatever we agreed to. She was happy with it. I was happy with it. And she made a bunch of music. That was a fascinating experience, hiring someone to make something for your show and work with them that way. I'd never done that before. That was fun. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, because if they is.
3: get your vision, then it's just a beautiful collaboration.
5: Yep.
1: It's, it's great because when we did Story Circle Theater for Mutual, um, one of the women who did a lot of the stories for it her husband is a composer and he composed a a theme for it and didn't charge anything. Cause you know, it was like that. And, and so to have original music, if I could have original music for all the shows, I would do that. I mean, that would be, you know, so I know Jack's had a long-term relationship with Sharon B Canada and she's done, she just did music for us for uh, temple of vampires, right? Luther? Yep. And in, um, you know so if you can have if you can have original music and get it all signed off and, and that you can use it and uh, that's that's the way to go.
4: Yeah and if you're or doing if you a live make... show if you're doing a live show pay the piano player.
1: Oh yeah oh definitely yeah.
4: you know if 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 you can afford like the, the guy who can do the thing that you can't do or or learn to play the piano that's also fine. Um, <laughs> but like doing a show in front of people Having a live piano player do your interstitial music and do the dun dun duns is tra- it's it's entirely transformative, and they become a character in the show that makes the show a better a better entertainment. Um, you know, so like if if you're doing live, having live people in it, and then but but pay that guy. Don't don't pay anybody else, but but pay the piano player.
2: It's surprisingly hard to find those dun dun duns it recorded. Is. I, I I ended up learning enough. Uh, in fact, okay, I, I use GarageBand for years. I don't even primarily use a Mac anymore, but I've limped one along, but kind of kept it on life support just for GarageBand because there doesn't appear to be an open source equivalent. Um, and you, you can, it's amazing what you can pick up with just a little bit of uh, musical knowledge. Like I have junior high school band, but Depending on the piece, you know, I, I started paying attention to a lot of horror movies, and for horror pieces, it seems like a lot of the scores are like one chord held down for a really long time. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. I can, I can do that. And and it's surprising how far you could get. Um, You know, Wait, while we're you, on this, you, you, yeah.
4: You get your, you get your theremin out and you'll be fine. <laughs> the hardest, yeah. Theremin. yeah that's, the that's,
2: hardest that's... instrument to play. Hey, as well, long they just,
1: as they just came out, Moog just came out with a brand new theremin. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: Might want to try that. Um, so, question: As long as we're on this subject, gathering the team, how what does everyone do with the tech side? Do you pay someone to be at the board?
5: Because that's that's a fairly specialized set of skills. No one's getting me out of my mixing seat, except for Daniel French. He did some really great stuff with Daniel Dredd. That's the only time I've had someone else mix something that I've written, and I really prefer to do it myself.
2: Me too. But I'm guessing the live guys don't always have that option,
5: right? No, the
3: uh, I have volunteers who work at the theater, so that's they get they get either either paid by the theater or they're volunteering their time. I'm, I'm not sure, but they they usually you do don't
2: that know. Oh, god, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, I don't know how it happens. It just
3: happens. Is if in if this booth that's on the back side of the theater? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't even see them. Maybe they're millions,
1: elves. If you're in a union theater, a lot of times they'll have somebody who's their person that you can hire, you know, that or you can hire your own person. But in all the live shows that you know, I would do, we'd hire, we'd always pay tech, yeah, okay. so it, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, usually, it's usually you don't have a guy on staff who's like the tech guy, so you know it's you gotta hire somebody out or you may have somebody you hire all the time but yeah that you call but you know tech whether it's light light tech or you know a lot of times a theater will have those people there and you can hire them through the theater or if you have your own people um sure you know what what that's why it's it's nice to go into a theater now with led lighting because you can it's it's easier to just yeah you you don't have to gel it you don't have to gel everything and, and do it it's just uh you're just doing it on a computer and you're changing all the colors on the computer it saves hours and hours of time and money.
4: I, I, yeah. I, I definitely, I, what I've enjoyed is that my tech guys usually show up day of show, do what they do, but my cast knows them now. So they feel like they're also a part of the, the whole team. So, okay. you know, and, and and the, and, and the tech guy gets the same as everybody else. Like everybody gets the same nut. If we, if the show sells, we all, everybody get a nut off of it, but like, They they they're also part of the the company now. So like you use this, I use the same guy every time. So like they look forward to seeing him and they they trust him for doing what he does, which I think is a great. But yeah, I mean Lothar, one hundred percent. I understand you're 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 in a box by yourself putting this all together, but for a live aspect, yeah, I'm on stage doing sound, so I can't run the lights too.
5: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Did you plan to have like one guy like that in that, that uh, or did it just kind of work out that way?
4: It just kind of worked out that way. He's a friend of mine that I've known for years. I said, would you mind coming and doing this? He's, he's not Minnesotan, but he also tries to do the push away with the money every time, but he does take the check.
2: <laughs> one good uh, pickup, just something to think about. Uh, you want to find sound people that might be interested in doing uh, your work. Try churches, not the really yeah. crazy ones although that that's a contrast cuz the really crazy ones often have amazing tech these days but yeah. um you go you find a church sound guy he's doing a weekly show and yeah. there's, there's no better way to get experience than that just doing well, you know
4: my 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 AV my AV guy that comes in and does all our AV runs his giant church AV every Sunday so he you know he knows exactly how to do it and he, he puts on a much bigger show every Sunday morning than I do
2: Oh, yeah. I, uh, there was a Broadway musical about, you know, sort of the evangelical. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember reading the tech director saying, boy, I wish we could do some of the things they do in these churches. This is Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> Broadway, they're wishing they could do because, you know, because a lot of these places are like former basketball arenas that they've gutted and converted straight up for broadcast sound and light, yeah. full music, uh, everything. And there's there's one that's one thing that's like in every town, even our tiny town. We have I I do church sound and we I've I've learned a lot doing that, and also it doesn't make the show seem so stressful when you're you're dealing with people that are doing this every week and maybe aren't as prepared as they should be, and that whole church tension vibe that exists. What else? Uh, gathering your team. All right, so here's one. Do you need a dedicated sound effects guy if you're doing live and if you're doing live Foley?
4: Well, we don't call it Foley. Right. That's, so it, awesome. cause, cause that's for, for
3: movie. That's for a film. Yeah, yeah I know. But, uh,
2: <laughs> see, but find me, find me the verb for physically manipulating a prop to produce a sound.
3: Uh, sound Bird effecting.
2: <laughs> see? Foley works. I know yeah. the movie people are claiming it. It is theirs by rights but there's yeah, also yeah. people using Foley as a term for all of sound design. Now
3: don't tell Bob mock that. Yeah. You're
2: going to have to deal with it.
3: I've done a couple of years where we oh. did a live show and, and I farmed all of the sound effects out to whoever wasn't at a microphone at the time. So okay. they would do that sound. Right. Uh, the last time we did it the year before the pandemic uh, I did all of the sound effects sitting at a table at the very front apron of the stage, the downstairs- uh, downstage apron, and I and and I did all the sound effects in front of the entire audience, and um, except for a couple of things where I was speaking at the time, and somebody else did a clapping sound or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest of it was pre-recorded stuff like cars and trains, sure, and that came from the sound booth, and I, I had the script marked up with that 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 number sound at that time, and so they knew which number sound effect to play um it works either way and, and it's it's a lot of fun because you don't know who's going to do the next sound effect if you farm it out to the to the cast and then it's just they get in, they get involved in other ways
2: live foley is for daniel french live foley is crazy i would pre-record everything yes except if you're doing a live show because and
4: again because and i same as pete when i do a live show i'm i'm the sound goon so i put myself in the front apron so that the actors can see me and I I I would not say that I direct from there, I conduct from there. So that yeah. I can move the I can get the actors forward and backwards. I can give them their cues. Because if they're not if they're sitting back on the back side of the stage, they're not necessarily reading along, but I can cue them up to get them up to the mics and stuff like that. Um but I, I also live uh the sound effects table is a character in the show. Exactly. Um, you
6: know for, it, for, it, it for, for people
4: be. that are for, for For people that are coming to a theater to watch people read, the only action that's happening is the sound effects.
2: We are a visually challenged medium live. It's true, right?
4: So, so if you're doing it live, like that's that gives them something to look at, and it it adds a lot of levity to an otherwise straight show. Um, And it's it's that that's the entertainment of, you know, watching three people stand in front of a microphone read is is great if the show is compelling,
3: the sound guy is funny.
4: Oh
2: boy, dad's um, the mad. the biggest
3: laugh I get is when I have a can full of coins and I shake them out into a tub and I'm Mr. Martini and I say, I bust to the jukebox. Yeah. of the <laughs> the, the audience love that.
2: Okay, Jack got mad because we used Foley. I used Foley incorrectly, but uh oh god, the chat's blowing up.
5: Something <laughs> I'll also say for anybody who's interested more about uh sound effects, uh Take a look for any panels that Ellie Maitland's on because she has a lot to say about yes. it and a lot amazing. of amazing. What's Ellie I've said? learned so
3: much from Ellie. She's, she's, in, the, she's to... in the next one. Cool.
5: Like, okay,
2: but I'm going to ask her, we can we say Foley? Because if Ellie says we can, then I'm doing it.
3: Yeah, I don't want to get
1: her she mad. Used, she used it yesterday. She uses it. She yep. uses it.
2: It's just my, my point is to differentiate, especially when working with like someone who's, who's new in sound effects, I will use that as a verb. We're going to Foley this. And, and that's an instant word for we're going to manipulate a prop here. Because you know you can overdo it with the live sound effects. Um, some of them are really fun, just really impractical in a live show. Because the sound effects are the things that are hardest to transport. And if you're going to a venue, uh, you know it doesn't take long before the door and the bicycle wheel that you get the rain device and the wind machine is taking up most of your room. So uh, I I do appreciate what like Daniel was saying on the chat. Uh, pre-record everything we've recently started doing like live over the over the internet where we're, we're performing live but we're going over Facebook and over YouTube and over our our uh, podcast streamer and we were pre-record everything there and it sounds wonderful always an issue with a live show I never quite get the micing on sound effects I would like um, it's never just quite as good as everything pre-recorded but If it's a live show, you're before an audience, as opposed to live broadcast. Yeah, you definitely want someone up there doing something interesting for the people to look at.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like a prop comic when I unload my stuff. It's it's you know it's it's three giant tubs spread out when I get in there. It's a lot, but um yeah the and you're talking about doing live on the internet. It's not great on Zoom, sound effects. You know, just live like the, 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 the 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 limiters cut it all out. So like if you're doing this format, like you're doing it live for the for broadcast, using recorded stuff is, is, is tidier and it's sent, for your audience, they actually get to hear it.
5: And I Larry should- He does some great stuff with his Zoom recordings and he's on the next panel. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who's been a part of that, he's got stuff built into his whole Zoom setup as we're doing it live and recording, he's activating the sound effects. So it, he's probably got some really interesting things to say about yeah, how should... modern technology into yeah. this, at least for a virtual. Situation yeah. like this, obviously not. Stated. I
2: should clarify, we don't we we're all together performing in a studio, one signal going out to uh, going out to usually Facebook via OBS. And we don't have cameras just right. because, again, the Minnesota shy thing and the women get, well, I, do we have to have a camera, blah, blah, blah. I uh, just put up a slideshow. And and right. so we're performing. We're really doing a recreation of how radio drama was done in the golden age where we're perform. We're all in a studio. We're all together. Uh, but we're we're performing live, live-ish. I think there's about an eight-second delay. I was going to find we came in early. It's eleven forty. How about we go around and everyone say what they're doing next?
4: <clears throat> okay.
2: Starting with Bill.
3: I started first. Let me. I don't want to go again.
2: Okay. Starting with Pete.
3: Uh. Well, my next project is going to be for. Um... This this coming October, I've got uh, four episodes, a a four episode mini series planned for Jack's Transcontinental Terror. um, For uh, so so four episodes of The Cellar, um, gonna be boom 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 like that. Uh, So I've already got them cast, and I just got to start getting the actors together. Uh, yeah. So that's me. And then in December, it'll be uh, it's a Wonderful Life
5: in uh, Corpus Christi. Cool. Lothar, I guess. Um, I'm working on a transcontinental terror as well. I've got another Tainted Noctuary coming up for that. And uh, a car exploitation film, or film, uh, audio drama that has been in uh, the works for quite a while. And uh, she wills Prowl, The Promised Land. It is the last thing that Bill Holwig ever recorded for. And that's probably why I've been oh. sitting on it. It's been really hard to be able to let that go, um, but it's time so pete's in that jeff's in that jackson that um yeah i am yeah you, no, uh, a you played player. a truck you played a trucker bob i think oh, okay <laughs> that, was, that was a decade ago man how can you um, why aren't you remembering no wonder <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh jeff is that yours
5: yeah we're working thing. on uh
1: temple of vampires get uh, that going and uh that's that's gonna be a lot of fun so that'll take up the next two or three years of my life so I can't
3: wait to um, hear that one. To is that, that.
2: No, is, is that cast entirely? It
3: is. You don't need a Damn bartender it. for that, do you? It, it is. I play no, a no, mean bartender, Jeff. Yeah, it is. It's uh,
1: <laughs> since you asked that. Uh, yeah, it, it's cast and uh, Jack and and uh, sorry, Jack and uh, Lothar and myself are playing the three three guys. I, I'm playing uh, Jack and Lothar. You're uh, Reggie, right?
5: Yeah, and I dropped the English accent. Didn't want yeah, to hold back. Yeah, or, uh, I can maybe exact do sense. like two sentences as well, and then it drops out. You know? you we dropped
1: a lot of the English like phrases. Oh God! And, yeah. That was and the then, Tony uh, Randall role, is, right? Was Reggie? Actually, yeah, it was. Okay. Tanya. Okay. And. Uh, um. Mark Kalita. Mark Kalita. Mark Kalita plays oh, another the, great. Uh, the uh, Mark Vanfire Prince there and and. Lothar's wife, Jan plays. Uh, was it Angelina, right? Yep. And uh, Austin Mosier plays Hermie. So yeah, it's it's cast. It's up. We've we've got about what eight eight uh, episodes recorded. I think. Yeah.
5: So.
2: Oh, we'll so it's not, not just it's it's you are underway, production's underway on this. Yeah.
5: At least the principal recording.
2: Okay. Uh, Okay, well, uh, Icebox Radio Theater is we actually have a live show coming up this Wednesday. Uh, We're going to be from the park here in the falls. So if you want to drive up, that'd be great. Uh, We also if you join our our, find our Facebook page, we will be streaming live on Spreaker, which is our podcast host, which allows us to do live shows. Uh, So you can listen in that way. Uh, We're actually going to be reprising two series that we've kind of laid dormant. Uh, one is called Bush Pilot from a, an author, Dave Irwin, who lives across in Port uh, Francis, Ontario, kind of historical adventure uh, about the, the guys that, you know, in northern Ontario used to transport all the goods by seaplane because that was the only way to get around for the first 50 years of the 20th century. And then the other one is a new episode of Radio Icebox, which is a series I did for three seasons until the actors said, we're bored with the same parts, do something else. Um, but that is the story of a, uh, a tiny town, which due to a meteor strike does not get any modern communications and completely depends on their community, uh, community radio station for everything. And everything goes kind of haywire all the time. It's sort of WKRP meets X-Files. Um, so you can listen in and those will also be available as podcasts in the month of August. Uh, I did just put up a link. We were talking about live sound effects on stage. Still the best example I've ever seen was actually PBS in Omaha 10 years ago did Dracula and Frankenstein. And the video production uh, was really great because you had your actors in costume. And also anytime anyone did a sound effect, they would, they do a little uh, cut in of the Foley table. Sorry, the sound effect prop table. (laughs) So for anybody uh, there.
4: Yeah, I I reached out to Tony Palermo uh, after I saw What About Dick? on netflix where he is just in all his glory with eric Idle as the sound effects man doing coconuts next to eric Idle, it's fantastic um uh, so uh i'm finishing up uh, teaching a class on radio audio and this week uh, all my students get to see their shows hear their shows produced live so that's kind of exciting to sort of have a lot of uh, first time writers hear their work for the first time um, mm-hmm. And then other than that, I'm actually working to rebuild the theater space that uh, we work in. So I'm, I'm doing the physical work to get us reopened and safe to do shows in the fall.
2: Cool. OK, Great. well, we're right there at 1146, just like radio hitting the top, hitting the post. Uh, anyone know what's next? Jack, you can come on here and tell us what the next uh, uh, doohickey is. He's not listening.
5: It would be identifying it's the field. Identifying the field. Jeff Billard will be moderating that because David Alt is absent today. Oh. And that will have Ellie Maitland, Michael Wilhelm, Larry Grebe, and Robert R. Nice. Everybody needs it.
2: an all star like group, to... as was this one. Uh, gentlemen, I think we covered it. Any final thoughts?
5: Thanks, everyone. Yep, yeah, thanks. Thank
2: you. Thank you very
3: much. Just work hard, get your shows in, get them done. Don't steal music.
0: Don't steal music. Or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.